life can apply to other relationships that you're in as well. Um, and then if you're not currently raising kids right now, it just struck me how we're a church family and so all the kids in this house are influenced and affected by you guys. And so um, you're still going to have impact on children even if they're not currently in your home. So it can apply as well. And I also just wanted to start out by uh, just saying, like, it's okay to not be perfect. Um, I just felt God say to me this morning, like, we are already loved. We're already accepted. And so there's just no room for condemnation or discouragement in what we're talking about. You know, we're talking, we're going to talk about a lot of things that... Um, we haven't, you know, achieved yet, or maybe you feel like you're falling very short in, and I just want to remove all condemnation, you know. Um, we don't have to be perfect. God loves us. We're already accepted, and because we're already accepted, we can move towards perfection while we're in relationship with Him, and so we just want that heart to come across to you guys this morning while we're talking. We're going to start off with just some general comments on intimacy first. Here I am. Hey, did you already say who we are? Um, no. I was setting up. We're Bill and Merrily. Yeah. I think you probably, most of you know that. We're pastoral assistants here at New Day. Uh, pastor Cameron, our senior pastor, is in Vandalia at that campus today, and we're glad to be with you on Father's Day, and I completely agree with the things Merrily was expressing. Um, we're excited to talk to you guys today about family. It's maybe an emphasis for us. We have young kids, so we think a lot about family and raising children. Um, we are part of the healing and restoration ministry here at church, so we talk to other people about their families a lot. Um, and so we're excited to share about it today. And uh, so I wanted to say, what in the world is intimacy? You know what I mean? You guys have already, we're in a series. Did you already say we're doing the fire values too? No? no, I just went okay. right in. So we're, the whole year this year is on the core values of our church, summed up in a four-letter acronym, FIRE. F is the Father's heart, like Kathy talked about during worship, which was great. Love that. Um, I is intimacy. That's the part we're in right now. R is restoration, and E is extending the kingdom. Um, so you've, if you've been around, you've heard some talks on intimacy already, but I wanted to give you, what, what do I mean when I say intimacy? What do we think about when we say intimacy? And really, I boil it down to knowing and being known. Um, and, and I wanted to say, what is what is perfect intimacy in, in my definition? Menser's Dictionary says that perfect intimacy is full exposure to another in the presence and freedom of total acceptance. Right? I think exposure a lot of times feels like a real negative word, um, but I wanted to repaint it. You know what I mean? Intimacy is complete knowing and being known with no fear, no you know, sense that that's a bad thing because there's total acceptance available. Um, and really, that's ultimately what we can have with God. That's what He offers us. And hopefully you got that in the series on intimacy with God. Um, um, you know, there's nothing hidden from God anyway, but a lot of times we live like there is. You know what I mean? I find myself living... You know, denying that there are parts of me that are really there, not really talking to him about it, you know. Um, but he is available with total acceptance, and I can be fully 
may, you know, make myself fully known to Him, you know, be fully open with Him, and have that freedom um, of total acceptance. You know, in our innermost circles of life, the people that we're closest to, we can approach the ideal that we have with God that's available to. And particularly in marriage, we have the best opportunity, my best opportunity on this earth, to know and be known is with Marilyn. Um, and so I want, wherever I'm at today, like Marilyn said, there's no condemnation whether that I think that's great or not great. Um, but where is it going? You know, is the, is the little line graph, if you're an engineer like me, is it going upward? Um, so there's all, I just wanted to mention in passing, there's wisdom in making yourself known appropriately, right? The right people and the right depth is kind of key in intimacy with others. Um, and uh, so it can, it can feel risky to open up, especially when you've not gone there before. You know, gone there. I don't want to go there. Is maybe a phrase in our day. Um, and so it can be risky. And you know what? In some situations, it's not appropriate to go deep. You know what I mean? You've got to find somebody who is a safe place. Um, to share your deeper things with. But the challenge is to find that somebody and to go there, to be willing to go there. Um, You know, one thing I wanted to mention is that how can I get really close to someone else if I'm not close to myself? So there's kind of this element of self-discovery, of understanding my own heart's motives, processing my own fears and baggage and wounds, and that's a key to being able to get close to someone else. You know, because I could be as open as possible with Marilee, but if I don't really understand myself, she only gets that shallow piece of me that I understand. So there's an element of going deeper. And really that restoration part of the year we're going to talk about will really help with that. Um, But there's a teaser for that. Um, You know, another thing, a little phrase I've coined here, you know, what I choose to hide, I carry alone. And I'm isolated in that area of my life. And it'll stay that way until I'm willing to open up and share with somebody. You know, so I see that as motivation to go deep, to find somebody who's a safe place, somebody that you trust, and go deep. Um, So how do I know who's safe and who's not? Here's a couple of attributes of of somebody um, who looks like they're probably a safe person to start getting intimate with, whether it's friendship um, or whatever. Um, They're uplifting. They're encouraging. They share their thoughts and their life with me, too. You know, two-way street here. And they're discreet with the things that I share. When I share something, you know, especially my failures, like Dan talked about, you know, how, how many areas of my life do I feel like a failure? If I open up and I'm telling Ryan all about that, and then the next thing I know, Anthony's going, hey, I heard such and such about you. <laughs> okay, maybe Ryan wasn't such a safe place after all. And I'm using him because he's not that way. So <laughs> he's a perfect example. <laughs> so far, so good anyway. Um, right? So... You've got to kind of test the waters, you know what I mean? And how do you do that? You go a little deeper with somebody than you've been, and you see how they handle it. If they handle it well, and you're developing a relationship, great. You know, some you know some people, you've got a deep, long-term relationship in your life. You've known them forever. You call them family even if they're not. All right, you, you got this down. But um, if you move to a new place, or, you know, you've struggled to get that deep, you know, tight friend, then that's the kind of thing you need to look for. Um, you know, the people to be careful about going deep with. If you feel like someone's judgmental, critical, they leak your secrets, they don't reciprocate that sharing, um, find a different safe place. You know, be, you, it doesn't mean cut them off. 
um, but it means you, you probably it's not safe to go deep yet. You know, pray for them, encourage them. Maybe that can change. Um, but you've got to protect your heart. All right, I need to keep moving. So there's this quote from this book that I thought was really good. It kind of summed all of that up. It's actually from a book about women. It's called Captivating. John and Stacy Eldridge wrote it. Um, but it, it kind of sums up the way a lot of us live our life, I think, the way I've lived a lot of my life. It says, We are not inviting, we're guarded. And most of our energy is spent trying to hide our true selves and control our worlds to have some sense of security. You know, and I think that is... You know, can be the culture we live in, and that's kind of what we battle against as we try to go deeper. So. All right. So the family intimacy is what we're talking about today, and it's greatly influenced by the mom and dad, the husband and wife, right? So let's look at marriage. Um, Ephesians 5 talks about um, how husbands and wives are supposed to relate to each other. And um, it says... Um, just to kind of paraphrase the gist of what it says is that husbands are to love and cherish their wives in the way that Christ does the church and not by domineering her but by cherishing her and it talks about how wives are to honor and respect and submit to their husbands and that when she does that she actually is showing her support for Christ as well um And let's look at that verse and then also um, the main points in two books, Wild at Heart and Captivating. Wild at Heart says that the core of every man there is a question and that, that core question in men is, do I have what it takes? And the core question in women is, am I lovely? And so we're asking that question from the time we're young and if that question isn't answered with a resounding yes we're going to keep asking that question until it's answered um, in the right way and um, so I realized you know that as wives honor their husbands they're answering that question to him and expressing yes you have what it takes and as husbands are cherishing their wives He's telling her, yes, you are lovely. And so we want to delve in a little bit to what cherishing and honoring looks like. It's something that we've really been committed to learning about. I'd say in the last year, we, um, we realized, you know, you know, I love you. I know you love me. But I don't feel cherished. And he's like, I know you love me, but I don't feel honored. And I'm like, what is, I don't even know what that means. We live in a culture where it's not, you know, it's not common to really honor your husband. And so we've been on this journey. It's been really fun and we're getting better at it. Um, but let's, let's look at it together. Do you want to start with Yeah, so, hot mic. So what is cherish? I went to Webster's instead of Menster's Dictionary for this one. I only define so many words, you guys. My dictionary is like this thing. Um, So, cherish is protect and care for someone lovingly, adore, hold dear, dote on, revere, esteem, admire, and value highly. So hopefully one of those rings a bell or resonates. Um, you know, like Marilee said, the captivating book John and Stacey Eldridge wrote about, you know, 
woman issues. What is a woman? You know, what is she? What's at the core of a woman? What is she looking for? What does she need? How does she take that question to God? Um, and they, they boil it down to, "Am I lovely?" Which, you know, maybe that's too simple for you, and that's okay. Um, just because it's a book doesn't mean it's it's right. <laughs> but um, you know. It's a good starting point, you know, and it's something I can direct my efforts towards as a husband. You know, are my actions, my words, my tone of voice, and the way I live life answering this question? And the answer is yes, they're answering that question, but how? <laughs> Whether I know that question exists in my wife or not, before I read that book, I was answering that question in her heart, you know. Um, and unfortunately, I wasn't giving a very good answer for quite some time. <laughs> um, but I'm learning to now, you know, and I know what I want the answer. Now that I know that question's there, I know what I want the answer to be. Like Marilee said, a resounding yes. You are lovely. You're captivating, and I'm in pursuit of you. I want to have an adventure together. I'm going to cry if I look at her, so I can't do that. So, um, so i got to make an effort to like communicate that in every way that I can. Um, so maybe it's good to think, okay, remove myself from the marriage thing now and just think in an abstract term of like, what is like the the loveliest, most honored woman you could think of? You know, think of her. Maybe she wears a crown and robes or a dress or whatever, sits on a throne. You know, like, how would I treat that woman of honor? You know, how would I treat that loveliest of all women if I came to her? You know, what would it look like? You know, certainly honor. You know, you'd probably bow. You'd probably bring her a gift. You'd probably, certainly your tone of voice would have kindness and grace in it. You know, you wouldn't cross the queen, especially not the queen of hearts, right? Off with your head. Um, but not that Marilee's that way. Don't take it that way. Don't go there. I didn't say that. Um, right? But you, would, you wouldn't cross her. You'd come to her on her terms. You know what I mean? You would offer her something, you know, you would, you'd give her honor uh, to do the position. You know, and how often in, in my life have I violated that position that my wife holds in our family, you know what I mean? How often have I been harsh with my tone of voice? How often have I not brought that vi- value and that honor to her? You know, ugh, a lot. Um, but the good news is I can turn it around, right? Now I'm starting to figure this thing out. So I can answer the question, and I try to do it in a lot of different ways. So here's a couple ideas. Hey, Marilee, you're so lovely. I want to go on a date with you. Thanks to my parents. We did last night. It was great. Um, you're so lovely. I want to buy you a special gift. You're so lovely. I want to do things around the house that you normally do so you can rest. You're so lovely. I notice your talents, and I compliment you on them. You're so lovely, I just have to stop and hug and kiss you when I get home from work. It's funny, I chose those five examples on purpose. We'll get to this later, but each of those was a love language, if you've ever read that book, The Five Love Languages. So it's not just what I say. It's not just how I serve or do something for her. There's a lot of ways that I can try to cherish her. So practice it, guys. You know it's out there now. Yay. So honoring. 
I learned that honoring looks like treating him as someone with a deep worth and intrinsic value because he was created in God's image and so he has so much value. Someone with so much value, I wouldn't just, you know, brush off or whatever. So really valuing who he is, how he's wired, his ideas, um, to esteem him and revere him. And so that looks like... um, that I take what he says and don't dismiss it or scoff at it if it's different than my thoughts or what I was thinking. You know, I don't put him down, even in a joking matter, especially in front of people or in front of our children. Um, you know, I, I don't belittle him because I want to, you know, honor him and respect him. Um, you know, I don't speak to him with harshness or with like a condescending tone. Like, I know what I'm talking about and you don't, kind of tone, because that won't communicate honor. And, um, and, you know, I talk to him about hurts before they build up, because a lot of times that's when harshness comes out, right, when hurts have built up. And um, <clears throat> to honor him, you know, I appreciate what he brings to the marriage, and I follow his leadership, even when it's different than how I would lead. Um, Because it's more important to communicate that I love you and I honor you. That's more important to communicate to him than to have the thing go my way. You know what I mean? It took me a while to learn that one. Um, Yeah, okay, so let's say I do have a concern as a wife. Wives have concerns. And it's good to bring them up to our husbands, right? But we want to know how to do it in an honoring way. So here's an example. I might say to him, I can see where you're coming from on this, and it's good, and I want to follow your leadership. I do have a concern. It is, blah, 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 blah. Well, what do you think about that? So that would be a really honoring way to bring up a concern that you have. Um, and... You know, so much blessing comes, wives, when we honor our husbands. And that's true of doing life God's way. God says to honor your husbands, blessing pours out. You align yourself up under his way and blessing pours out. And so this is just one example where blessings are going to come from honoring your husbands. Blessing also comes, I've found... When when I submit to his cover, I want to talk about the covering of a husband for a minute. Um, and how many like get a little squirmy at the word submit? Anybody? Yeah, it's like this word. So let's just talk about it. Okay, so um, so submitting to a cover is actually for the benefit of the one being covered. So when a wife submits to her husband, it's actually for her own benefit that that she's there. And Satan has really twisted this into a negative thing of like you're being controlled or something or you're less than and that's not it at all. You know, um but before we can fully appreciate the purpose and benefit of coverings, let's look at the original design for them. And the original design comes um, when we submit to God. When we 
when we align ourselves under his wing, snuggle up next to him, and let him nurture and care for us, and we learn trust there. And it's this beautiful thing, this cover. When you're in that place, you learn, wow, this cover is for my benefits, for my protections, because you love me. And once you have that experience with God, you um, will be able to appreciate the idea of covers in general. Um, I lost my place in my notes. So... um, All covers are for the good of the one being covered, and love is the motivation of the coverer. Love is the motivation, not the desire to control. Um, So until we come into that place with God, all other forms of cover will seem strange. Children under parents, wives under husbands, a congregation under church leadership, all of those are going to feel a little funny until you realize the benefit of covers and what they're like. Um, and, the, and then um, headship is a cool thing too. The real prototype for headship comes from God being the head of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 11.13 it says that God is the head of Christ, Christ is the head of the husband, and the husband is the head of the wife. From other verses we know that parents are the head of children. So picture that flow chart, right? God is the head of Christ, Christ, husband, husband, wife, parents, children. Um, And we can see that if um, God is the head of Christ, um, we can see that God lifted Christ up and gave him all power and all authority. And... um, From the Bible, we can see that Christ was fully submitted to God. Um, He said, you know, I do what I see the Father doing. If you see me, you've seen the Father. You know, not my will, but yours be done. Christ was so submitted to the Father. And what did the Father do? He raised him up. He honored him. And so that's the perfect picture of what headship looks like. So if you are a husband, a parent, or a church leader, your goal then should be to raise up and to give strength and protection and to assign authority over the ones that you cover while their goal is to align themselves under your cover. Does that make sense? Is it good? You guys like that? All right, next little point is yours, baby. All right. right. Um, So we're going to jump around a little bit. Tenderness, men. Love and tenderness. So I don't know about you, but me living in this culture and thinking about tenderness, I'm like, that is foreign, that is female. (laughs) Right? Uh, But that's just not true. when your lovely wife submits to you as husband, the response is tenderness. You know what I mean? It's not, there is a role for strength and leadership, which we do and do naturally, but not only that. If we are only that, I think we're missing something else, right? A, a wife, a woman needs tender love from her husband. Um, You know, we can be simultaneously strong and gentle. We can be simultaneously fierce 
toward her enemies or the enemies of our family and tender toward our wife and kids. Um, it's in us. It's in God, and we're in His image. You know, and there's this thing that is true that like God has created woman as part of his image in these certain characteristics and man as part of his image in these characteristics and it's totally true um, but if we take it to too far of an extreme we just lop off a whole part of our being that we could embrace you know and I think this is maybe one of them so I wanted to throw it out there almost in passing you know to encourage us as men to embrace that gentleness that tenderness that can be there and it's unique when we offer it it's different than mom when I comfort the kids it's got a little different spin on it even though it still has tenderness in it so there you go yeah so um Family unity. You know, God just loves unity. He is unity within himself with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And um, they work together in perfect oneness and love. And so um, unity and as husband and wife is actually the closest earthly representation um, of the oneness that is in God. And, you know, when he created man and woman, he put in each gender certain attributes of himself that when combined into a married couple, you see a more complete picture of what God's like than, than you would see in an individual person. And so I love that. You know, he's nurturing and strong. He cares about the little things in your life, and he cares about the big picture, the whole world, you know. And the marriage unity is a picture to your kids and to others of that oneness within the Godhead. And then also children being in unity with their parents and in unity with their siblings become a part of that picture too. You know, each, each family member, just like in the Godhead, when each family member is valued and honored and, and has a role and a purpose within the family unit, you're going to see that that oneness and that family unity each member loving the others honoring and valuing the others for who they are and uh, for what they bring to the whole we're going to transition and talk about kids Um, you know children really need to feel that who they are is valid you know how they were made their personality the way um, God wired them Um, their way of giving and receiving love. And I think it's important to learn the love language of each member of the family and make a point to love them and affirm them in that language. Yeah, so um, the five love languages are physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, and quality time. And again, just because it's a book doesn't mean it has to fit you exactly. You can tweak that. <laughs> but, but the point is figuring out what each family member, you know, is best at giving and receiving love in. How do they talk? What's their language look like? You know, um, and we can make the greatest impact on our kids and the, each kid by finding out how they can receive our love the best. You know what I mean? So I'll give you an example. Um, at least in his interaction with me, Micah is all about um, quality time. He wants to do stuff with Dad, right? So if I come home with a gift, this isn't exactly true because he loves gifts too, but if I come home with a gift, I might be speaking the wrong language, you know? Or if I'm, like, trying to do acts of service for him, like, hey, look, I cleaned up your room for you, bud, so you don't have to do that chore. Like, 
I'm, I'm missing the mark. He'd rather, he doesn't want me up in his room cleaning his room. He wants me out dribbling a basketball, riding a bike, playing Minecraft on the computer with him. I'm not joking. <laughs> and I do. <laughs> I can build a mean castle, you guys, in Minecraft. It's pretty good. Um, so anyways, the point is, how can I make the greatest impact? And also, it's kind of like a watch out. Hey, I need to watch out for where I can make the worst impact. You know what I mean? If he craves quality time, um, I need to be thinking about that when we build our weekly schedule. You know, when I decide whether or not to take on another even life group at church, which is a great thing to do. But, you know, if it takes away from Micah's quality time, I need to really think about that before I do it. Or I need to find another pocket of time just for him. Or just the priority, the order that I put things in. When I come home and I've got a list of ten things to do that I'll never get done every single day, I can spend just a couple short minutes with him first, and it goes a long way. Rather than, let me get this done and then we'll do it, which I do that all the time. <laughs> I don't get it right. But I know this stuff, so I make an effort. And, I'll, and you know, I'm getting it right sometimes, and it's making a difference. Um, and it's just really important. Yeah, so what about bringing honor to kids in terms of what they bring to the family whole? So think of a pie chart. and um, mm, Pie. There might uh, be one on the table. Pie and um, children must have an important, appropriate sized piece of the whole. Is it cherry? If if their piece is too large, they will get discouraged because they can't meet it, or they'll keep striving to meet that unrealistic expectation and miss out, like on the simplicity of childhood, and be forced to grow up too fast. That's really good. If, if their piece is too small they'll feel like they aren't all that important and don't really matter, like they're not all that valuable to the family. So when they have an appropriate sized piece, they'll feel needed, they'll feel valuable to the family whole. Parents get to tell them, you're doing a great job, you really matter, you're helping the family. It can start when they're babies. Can you throw this diaper away in the garbage? Thank you, that's such a help to mommy. I appreciate what you do to contribute to our family, or however you want to word it, as they grow up you know, mowing the lawn or whatever they're going to do to contribute to the family unit. Like, thank you. You know, we're in this together. Really communicates a positive thing for kids. You matter here, you know. You know, Marilee strikes this really good balance with chores and allowance and just doing things that help the family. I'm really impressed with my wife. Um, You know, the kids do things and do get an allowance, but then they do other things that they don't get allowance for they don't get money for they're doing it and she says it right out plain and simple you're a part of the family and we do things together and we got here's all the stuff we got to get done and here's your piece you know she communicates it to them really well in a way they understand and it's just been great um it's instilling good values good a good perspective on their piece of the pie maybe it's apple but it's good we have a good pie um so one more thing before we close. We'll have to save the rest for second service. I think we're um, close. Close. Okay. I don't feel like we're close. but Okay, so I want to say this, though. Um, so Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Super common verse, right? Um, 
But what I started thinking about with this verse was, okay, well, what do I want my child to not depart from when he's an adult? Kind of thinking about it backwards. Am I training them now in those ways? You know, um, and I'm not expecting perfection from them now, you know what I mean? But um, instilling patterns for them to have in them as an adult. You know, if there's a pattern of disrespect to authority, well, don't be surprised if they're disrespectful to authority when they grow up, you know what I mean? The Bible teaches us in this verse that they're, they're connected. The way they're trained is going to be how they are as an adult, and so... Um, you know, looking at patterns of how do they treat authority, you know, how do they respond to discipline, you know, that's a big one. Um, how do they treat each other? How do they treat themselves? And, um, you know, I can teach my daughter how to treat her husband by the way I treat mine right now. And he can teach Micah how to treat his wife by the way he treats me now. Um, and I am teaching him whether it's good or bad all the time. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, I see him pick up some of the things I'm still working on that are not great. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then I'm really happy when I see him pick up the good ones. Do we want Was it me? Yeah, it? so... No, no. It's my part. We can't skip my part. No, so I wanted to give you a couple of train up a child examples to try to make it concrete. I'm a concrete guy. Not by trade, but just in the way I think. Um, so these are things I might say to the kids. You know, hey guys, we're kind to others and we care for their feelings, so we don't call names, and if we do something hurtful, we apologize. You know, in the heat of the moment, they just said something mean that hurt their friend or their sister, never happens. But if it does, you know, we, we try to speak that concept, that philosophy, that way of looking at life to our five and seven year old you know what I mean and I think doing that over the course of time we're doing that training up we're creating a good pattern um, hey guys we choose to be forgiving just as God forgives us so when someone apologizes I accept it and I say I forgive you and even when they don't apologize I choose to forgive them anyway this comes up all the time too so and so did such and such at school they didn't say they're sorry well, my God, it's really important you forgive them anyway. And here's why. And you say, I say that kind of thing. Mary says that kind of thing as well. Um, so when I'm angry, I do not sin. I talk with the person and work it out. And if I need help resolving the problem, I ask mom and dad to help. So we talk about this all the time. You know, I punched Micah. <laughs> it comes up. I punched Micah. But it's because he did this and this and this to me. Okay, well... He made you angry, but when you're angry, it's not okay to sin and punch him. You could have tried to talk it out with him, and I'd like you to go try that now. If you need help, let me know, and I'll help you. And then we coach him through it if they need the help. Another example, I'm respectful to those in authority, so I, I don't act annoyed when mom and dad ask me to do something. I don't know if any moms and dads ever see this, right? Hey, can you um, pick up your shoes and put them where shoes go? <sighs> Yeah, exactly. Lindsay's got it. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> right? And so that's a teachable moment. We try, to, we try to catch those once in a while. Not, you know, pick our battles. Not every single one. But, hey, bud, you know, it's not okay to be exasperated with Dad when I ask you to do something in a good way. At the same time, there's a verse that says, you know, fathers don't exasperate your children. I've got to be doing it right. So I'm going to pick a teachable moment to teach him to do it right. Um, but those are some examples. Yeah. So, um... Children get to learn about what God's like 
by watching their parents, right? And other authority figures, how they act. They're going to put that onto how God is. And um, so the way that we parent them and, and handle all types of situations is going to teach them about God, their identity, and their value. Um, so... You know, I was thinking about this. I'm a picture of God to my kids, right? And and um, when they grow up and they're out of the house, I want them to have a close relationship with God. I'm not going to be there. And um, and so Aaliyah, I noticed over a, a time, you know, that there was this pattern that whenever she got hurt or upset, she would run away from me and, like, hide behind a curtain or hide. And... Um, and that just really started to bother me. I was like, oh, I, I want to teach her to run to comfort. I want her to run to the father when something happens, when she grows up. And um, so, you know, I, I took a moment to tell her, not in the moment, but just say, hey, Aaliyah, when you get hurt or something goes wrong, the most important thing that you need is comfort. That's what you need the most, and I'm, I'm your comfort. So run to me, run to me when something goes wrong. And she does now. So there's just an example of, you know, we are that example, and we can train them when we see a pattern um, in them. So, yeah. so good. It's exactly what you said. Merrily recognized something that she was going to be doing as a pattern as an adult and addressed it, and it was, it's been really good. It was, it was awesome. Um, you want to say that yeah. bit and wrap? Yep. So, um... So our families see us. They know us the best. They see us at our best, and they see us at our worst. They know what we're the best at, you know, and we mess up in front of them the most. And so just in a, in a family of unity, repentance and forgiveness should just be so normal, right? Like when they see you at your worst, apologize. Sorry, guys. Sorry, I yelled when I was frustrated. I love you. I don't want to do that. And um, restore, repent, and restore the relationship that was wounded by sin. And we can have unified families. Yeah, so that's the end. Yeah, so we're going to wrap. We went a little over. I hope that's all right. We love you guys. We wanted to give you every tool we've been learning. <laughs> um uh, so let's just take a minute to respond, um, you know, to intimacy, to intimacy and family. You know, the general stuff I talked about at the beginning about knowing and being known. You know, let's take a minute to be open with the Father, you know, about being intimate with Him, maybe. How's that sound? You can take a posture of prayer, whatever that is to you. Can we get a keyboard player? Thanks. So, <clears throat> let's just pray. God, we... We just welcome you. Thank you that you're teaching us about intimacy. Thanks that you give us so much grace to practice and to be bad at stuff for a while. Um, thank you that you love us, God, that there's total acceptance. Um, there's freedom um, to let you see all of us, our whole hearts, the good, the bad, the ugly, and that you accept us anyway. You accept us before we even come to you with it, God. It's like preemptive strike of goodness <laughs> that you give us. Um, you love us so much. You accept us so much. So we just respond right now to you, God, that you loved us so much. You sent your son to die for us. You proved it. And so we open ourselves up to you more now than before. God, help me to know myself more than I do now and understand 
why I act the way I act sometimes, what's going on in my heart. And I just want to bring you those things so we can go deeper. God, I just pray you'd reveal to people right now what some of those things are. I pray you'd highlight a specific thing for people. Oh, yeah, there's this thing. That's why I always do this. Other, you know, I do such and such because of that thing that happened or that that hurt in my heart. And guys, just bring that to God. Just spend time. You know, not right now, but um, over the course of whatever it takes, days or weeks or months, going, God, yeah, that thing is there, and I want to bring it to you. What do you want to do with that thing, God? God, we just... We commit today to be more open with our spouses, more open with our kids, to go for greater intimacy in our friendships too, God. Help us to be a church if people are open with each other. We're a church family too. Help us to have wisdom as we do it, to find a safe place. Help us to become a safe place for each other and to go deeper. Yeah, and if there's anybody here this morning who has never um, said to God, hey, I want you to be my dad. I want to come under um, your cover. I want to be in relationship with you. And um, I want you to wash away all my sins. You know, Jesus died on the cross so that your sins could be forgiven, that you wouldn't have to pay for them. He made a way. It's already been paid. It's just a free gift. And um, it says in Ephesians 1, long, long ago, God decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And he took great pleasure in doing this. So as we're talking about family this morning, you know, that invitation is there for you to come in. He wants to adopt. He wants to adopt you into his family, and he loves you. So if that's you, just say, yes, God, I want to be one of your kids. I repent for my sins, and I want to live for you. And so if you pray that this morning, you can um, pray more after service with the prayer team. Um, Can we have the prayer team come up? We're going to close out. And the prophetic team over here. Um, If you would like to receive a word from the Lord, they're going to pray and ask God what he wants to say to you. And it's really awesome. So come and receive that if you've never experienced that before. Other than that, have a wonderful Sunday. Buy lots of goodies. Stand up. Greet one another. You are dismissed. Bless you.
Good morning. Service will start in about four and a half minutes, so buy that baked stuff, grab a cup of coffee, and have a seat. No, he's just late today.